in a series called Prescription Church. And the idea is that uh, what we've done is we've come from uh, kind of this idea that we're responsible for our own faith. Like sometimes our faith rests on someone else. Maybe we knew somebody who was uh, a Christian and we didn't like them. They were a hypocrite or all that. And so we're not going to believe or whatever. And we, we kind of went through this series of kind of owning what you believe and owning what it means to be a follower of, of Christ. We said that's called maturity. And so you, you start reading the Bible on your own. You start praying on your own. You start doing some stuff on your own. It's called maturity. But then there's another level. And that is from going from dependency uh, independence to interdependence and the idea that we need each other and that it's not just enough to mature and say oh now I got it and I'm off on my own it's about the fact that we need each other as a church this is why we attend church on Sunday mornings and so uh, um, you're probably wondering why you got one of these Um, it's not a belt (laughs) right matter of fact well I won't even try (laughs) but uh but um, what I want you to do is I want you, okay, so some of you have different, pa- you know, like your history is different. So putting on a blindfold might not be like, it might set you into a panic. You have like abandonment issues and stuff like that or had something in your past. Um, yeah, I don't know. You were in front of a firing line or whatever. Um, so if you don't want to put on your blindfold, you don't, you don't have to, okay? So I just want to, if you're worried about what people will think, don't worry because they'll all have blindfolds on, okay? And they won't see you. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and put mine on and you can put yours on. And uh, again, uh, I know this is silly, but we're going to go somewhere with this. And uh, anyone who doesn't have a blindfold on, in feet, how close am I to the edge of this stage? <laughs> Six? That's a lie. Let's see. One, two, three. Nice. Who said six? Get up here. Okay. (laughs) Nice. All right. Okay. My blindfold's on. I can't see a thing. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine you're in your mother's womb. It looks a lot like this, okay, (laughs) From from your perspective. And then you're born like anybody else and you come out and this is still all you see. You don't know any better because you're a baby and, 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 and the doctors are saying stuff like, we don't understand, we think there might be a problem or whatever. You don't understand that. You hear your mom's voice just like you did. You've never really kind of come out of, the, it's colder, <laughs> but it, 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 it looks the same. It is black. And then you become one or two years old and you start to learn to talk and you start to learn to relate to people, but you can't see. You're blind. And then at six and seven, people are being invited to birthday parties. You're not invited or you are, but it's a big deal and it's hard. You don't, you've never seen one of your friends. You've never seen your parents. You've never seen your siblings. You're blind. You've eaten, but you've never seen the food you eat. You can feel it, you can smell it, you can hear it cooking, but you've never seen it. Now you're into your teens, and you are feeling the full impact of what it means to be blind. And you may be handling it really great, you might be one of those people, you might be in fits of depression, 
Uh, you also realize that you'll probably never be able to have an income because not only are you blind, but this is 2,000 years ago. So there was no uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. There was no beeping uh, uh, crosswalk change. There was no nothing. No C&I dogs. You realize you're going to have to beg. And to make it worse... Everyone around you thinks you're blind because you're a sinner. Either you did something wrong or your parents did something wrong. So you're ostracized. There's no training for sensitivity with those in the workplace. There's none of that. You're blind. And to make matters worse, you will probably be this way for the rest of your life. Now go ahead and take your blindfold off. Now you can see. Even while I was, some of you are wearing this as a bandana, like your Rambo. That's fine. <clears throat> you're not, but it's fine. Uh, when your eyes are closed, see, even when we do an exercise like that, when I mention food and parents and siblings and all that, you, in your mind, you're like, you can't see your siblings. You can picture them in your mind because you've been able to see. That experience was what a man was experiencing before Jesus came and touched him. And this is the story we're going to tell this morning. And, and it's found in John chapter 9. And we'll have some of the verses up behind me. They're talking about Jesus, and it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him. Now, check out the question they asked him, because this is kind of getting us into what the thought of the day was. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The disciples are coming from a perspective that we're going to begin to see through this whole story. The disciples have put God in a box. They understood God. And when somebody's blind, God must have done it. And it must have been out of retribution for something really bad. Either they did or their parents did. That's how they understood. In other words, how come a loving God would allow someone to go blind? Well, they must have done something wrong. That makes it more palatable to me. But the answer Jesus gives isn't palatable at all. As a matter of fact, it sounds weird. Listen to this. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And you go, oh, okay. Listen, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse bothers me a lot. Because here's the implication. God made somebody blind just to so at some other date, he can, he can show off. He can, make, he can display his glory. And all of a sudden, I realize I've got God in a box. Because that troubles me. That God, that someone would go, they'd miss birthdays, they'd miss being able to see loved ones, they'd miss all this kind of stuff, just so that God, because I and you and all of us have a box we've created for God. All of us do. I don't care. You say, no, 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 no. I don't have a box for God. He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants. You just watch. 
you'll be going through life and you'll go, that doesn't make any sense. Now watch what happens. And Jesus goes into some teaching. He says, this happened that the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as, as it is day, we must work the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And they're like, okay, still doesn't help the blind man. And watch what Jesus does. Having said this, he spit on the ground. Okay? Now, again, if you, I don't know how many times you've read this story. I don't know, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and this is just like, oh, yeah, this is the one where he heals the blind man with the spittle. Like, you know, they cut, okay? Well, if you're going to make up a paste, it wasn't just spittle. Okay? So he either was just like talking to him, and this is for the kids, really. Just kind of, because the kids, you know, their parents say, don't spit. Jesus spit? Tell your parents that. Just turn to them right now. Just say, Jesus spit, right? right. Yeah, go ahead. No, really, I'm I'm very helpful. I have parenting seminars I do myself. So he worked up enough spit somehow, and he either like let it drop on the ground, or he got real close, or he kind of spit, waited, kind of, you know, spit, waited. However he did it, he spit in the ground, and he mixed it up into a little pasty thing. That's weird. That's bizarre. Why would he do that? We've already seen Jesus do healings where he didn't even have to be there. Couldn't he have just gone, you know, you know you're healed. You're not blind anymore. God, I dream a genie on him. He could have done that. Why, what is going on? We're going to see this later. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the great, I, I, I know I say this every time. I realize that. Read your Bibles. There's so much fun stuff in here, but this is just a fantastic story that's true, okay? So he makes up this little spit, and he he wipes it on the eyes of the blind person, who, if you're thinking about it, if you're blind, you don't know that's coming, so that's kind of freaky, because you're, you're like blind, and all of a sudden it's like, bam, ah, ah, you know, you're kind of swinging, Jesus got, okay? And he tells him, now listen, he says this, he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent, so the man went and washed, and he, listen, he came home seen. Now, I, just, I just want you to get inside the mind of this guy a little bit. Every single day, since you became of age or an adult, which was much younger back then, you begged. That was how you made your money. And you were blind, and so you just had your hand out, and you got money. Now, all of a sudden, somebody comes along and touches your eyes with something, and you're like, oh. And he he doesn't know how Jesus made it, but the disciples are like, he totally put spit on his eyes, right? And, and, And so you're hearing him giggle or whatever, and you're going through this thing. And he says, now, how did the blind man get to the pool? He's blind. So either somebody had to help him or he groped his way or whatever. But there was something in this guy's heart that says, I can't explain it, but I'm going to follow through. There's something about Jesus and I'm going to take a risk. And so he either gropes his way or gets his friends or he does something and he makes it to. And when he washes in that pool, he can see. It's like we, when we took off our blindfolds, it was like, ah, oh, can you imagine what must have been going through his mind? He can see from the time he was born, he couldn't see. And now he can see. Fantastic. 
So what happens? He goes home. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Isn't this the guy? Now, now here's what's happening. We're starting to find other people just like you and I who've placed God in a box and they're trying to figure it out. The pastor, Andy Stanley, has a way of describing this as saying, don't reject what's undeniable just because it's unexplainable. Okay, don't, just because, don't reject like, that's true, just because you can't explain how or why. Don't reject what's undeniable just because it's unexplainable. Now watch what happens. These guys show up, these neighbors. They'd formerly seen him begging. They say, some claimed that was, uh, claimed that, that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. Right, because, because honestly, it must be like a twin. Like, what's the trick, you know? You ever watched a magician? You know, you're like, I don't know how she got sawed in half, but she didn't get sawed in half. I just know it because you can't saw somebody in half. It's the same type of thing. It's like, it must, he must have had an evil twin that just moved in from town or something. They must have played us for a fool the whole time. Now watch, he says, but he insisted, I'm the man. Now again, nowadays when someone says, I'm the man, it means something totally different. But what he's trying to say is, it's me. Trust me. Yes, I was the guy who was begging. Yes, it was me. I don't have an evil twin brother. It was me. I was the guy. Now watch. They say, how then were your eyes opened? See, it's unexplainable. But the results are undeniable. And so they ask him, well, how, how then were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. He, you notice he doesn't say how because he's still like they've all tricked. He still doesn't know how. Once he finds out, he's going to be all upset. Um, he says, uh, he made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. It's about the easy, I mean, that's, 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 those are the facts. Now listen, some of us have been struggling with this thing about who's Jesus and who's God and all that kind of stuff. And we want concrete answers. Because we've put God in a box and we want the combination to let him out. Some of us are living lives following Jesus and this idea of just like, look, this is what happened doesn't settle with us very well because we want like a manifesto of how I came to Christ, why it's working for me so that people will look and go, Oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, now that I saw your PowerPoint presentation, uh, you know what? I really, no, listen, watch. It says, but the man called Jesus. So I went and washed and I could see, where is this man, they asked. Okay, all right. Well, I'll give you that a man, you know, did the mud thing and sent you to the pool. Where, where is he? I'll decide, once I see him, And once we've had a chance to interrogate him, then I'll decide. And this man does something that I hope we can all get in the habit of doing as followers of Jesus. He has an answer that is probably the best theological answer you'll ever find in Scripture. If you want to know how to share your faith, if you want to know how to explain What's going on in your life? These three words, memorize them, get them down, put them on your 
on your, on your refrigerator. Here you go. This is how to share your testimony, advanced edition, graduate level theology in three words. Here's what he says. I don't know. I don't know. Where is he? I don't know. Well, how did he do it? I, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. I don't know. Somebody said he spit, which is gross. When I find him, I'm going to have a talk with him. <laughs> I don't know. Now, what kind of answer is that? You mean to tell me you're claiming, let me get this straight, you're claiming you were born blind and you missed all the birthday parties and we always hear your story. I've seen you begging. Heck, I gave you some money. I want it back. But here's the thing. Okay, you're claiming that this man put mud on your eyes, told you to go wash, and you came back seeing, just, just produce the guy. Just show us the guy. And I can't. I don't, I don't know where he is. I just heard his voice. Now he's gone. Well, this didn't sit right with the people he was talking to. And oftentimes when we're trying to talk to somebody and we have our God in our box, we want all the answers before we, before we let them out. You know why we want that? Is because letting them out takes risk. Being, being baptized, sharing our testimony, letting God be God is risky. And every time we want to do something with risk, don't we want all the answers? Don't we want everything explained? When you sit down and somebody's sharing with you uh, some investment thing and you sit there and you're like, hmm, well, okay, but what about if the market does this? And what about if, you know, the bonds and we have this whole thing and the debt ceiling and all that? Explain that, explain that, and then maybe I'll invest. But see, God says, no, 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 no. I want you to invest everything. And then I'll begin to show you. And we go, oh, no, no, no. So watch. Where'd they bring him then? Because they can't figure it out. They brought him to the smartest people on the planet, the Pharisees. If anyone's going to be able to let God out of a box, it's going to be the Pharisees. That's what they do for a living. They know God. They study him. If you study God, you know God. I'm telling you, I study God. We're like that, okay? I got my boxes, so you don't even know. Watch what happens. Maybe the more you study God, the worse your box is. Because you start thinking you really know and you've got reasons for it. Watch. They brought to the Pharisee the man who'd been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Okay, you're not Hebrew, but this is where you're supposed to go, right? Jesus broke the Sabbath. If the Pharisees have a box, the lock on that box is called Sabbath. Okay, it's like that's their big deal. Okay, therefore, the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight, he put, and here he goes again. Uh, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Two violations of the Sabbath right there by Jesus and by the man. The man was not supposed to be washing on the Sabbath. And Jesus was not supposed, see, here's the thing. We look and we go, now why did Jesus make up this mud paste? And the Bible doesn't say why. But I can go, because my box is bigger, I can almost tell you I know why. Because it was the Sabbath. And he wanted to jack up the Pharisees and get them all to go, hey, 
I want you to look inside your box and see your God. And so to, to, there are two violations Jesus made. One was needing. You can't mix anything, okay? So the fact that he spit in the ground, you can spit on the Sabbath, but you can't then take that spit and make it into a paste, okay? As a matter of fact, one scholar says that you couldn't use fasting spittle, because it's a scholar, so he has to talk like that, for anything. So, so it's a Sabbath, right? And you want to lick an envelope, which Jesus didn't. You get the idea. You wanted to use spit. You wanted to grease up something. You wanted to, you couldn't use fast because you were fasting at the time. You couldn't use fasting spittle. Why? Because the God in the box says no fasting spittle. Actually, he didn't say that, but it would be better if he did. So let's just say he did. That's where the Pharisees were. They made up all these rules. Secondly, that man was not supposed to go wash. Why did Jesus send a blind man to go wash? To break God out of their box. And so the man says, look, he may put mud on my eyes and I, I, I wash and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. My God, my box says there's no way that guy could be from God. Because I know God and God wouldn't allow that. God would strike him. God would do something. The God, I'm not going to believe in a God that would allow that to happen. And that's where some of you are this morning. All the questions haven't been answered. The God that you are saying, look, this is the God I will believe in. Make him like that and you got me. But the problem is he doesn't look like that. And he's never going to look like that. And so you're stuck. So watch what happens. He says, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? In other words, I'm not going to dismiss what's undeniable for what's unexplainable. I mean, we can't get around the fact that the guy was blind. Okay? So finally, they turned to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Okay? Okay? The irony in this is just amazing that you've got spiritual people who worship Yahweh, the God, the creator of the universe, and they're like, okay, fine. There was a miracle, but, you know, what do you think about this guy, Jesus guy? He said, uh, he's a prophet. Now, the guy was technically right, but that wasn't the theological answer. Well, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's God incarnate, and he's, uh, I have a really strong suspicion that he'll be crucified, as it says in Isaiah, and then, um, and then he'll die for our sins, and then uh, we will no longer need the sacrificial system. Right, right? Uh, forget, he's, uh, he's a prophet. Well, that's kind of good. It's not theologically the best answer, is it? Well, watch, because the man's going to get to something else that's so vital in our testimony. The first part being, I don't know. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they went to the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? Again, just gathering information. I'm not letting my God out of a box until I get all the information. And here's what happens. And this is where some of you might be today. He says, we know he's our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. 
But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were, listen, afraid of the Jews. Now, parents, I just want to connect with you for one second here. You have a kid. That kid's born blind. You've gone through every single day of that kid's life caring for the blind kid. You've had to find his clothes in the morning. You've had to comfort him when he wasn't invited to the parties. You've had to do all this kind of stuff. You've had to, you've had to make excuses for him. You've had to probably take him out to his beggar's spot. You've had to go through all this kind of stuff. And in one day, he's healed and he can see. As I connect with myself as a parent, I'd, I feel like I'd look those Pharisees in the eye and go, dude, let me tell you something. We've, every day we've prayed for his sight to come back and it came back and I'll just pop you in the mouth right now. Just get out of my face. I mean, wouldn't seeing your son be healed be like a, a faith builder? It depends on how big your box is how big your God is. If your God is judgment and the Pharisees represent the only connection to God, then yeah, you're going to be scared of those Pharisees. You're going to be scared to be put out of the synagogue. The synagogue was the hub of community for them. It was everything. It would be like um, getting kicked out of golf and stuff or whatever. No, that's not, that's a bad example. It'd be like getting kicked out of something that you really loved. Getting kicked off the basketball team, whatever. Whatever your whole life is, it's like getting kicked out of that. And they're afraid. Yahweh, their heavenly father, healed their son miraculously and that they're afraid. And you know what I find? I find I go through this all the time. All the time when I, when I, when I know I'm supposed to say something, maybe boldly, and I don't say it because my God isn't big enough. They're not, he's not as big as they are. Or, or I'm supposed to do something at work that says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's not right. And it's like, you're going to get fired. And I look and I look at my God and I go, ooh, if I get fired, I don't know. He looks kind of tiny in there. I, I don't know. Do you have any money? I do it all the time. And, and, and when you're sharing your testimony, when you're sharing what God is doing, oftentimes the people around you who should be helping you the most are scared to open their mouth. Watch what happens. This guy fights through that. That is why his parents said, ask, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man. Okay, so the man had already gone to the synagogue, already explained his case, got done with that. Phew, that's over. Hope I never see the Pharisees again. And they summon him again. It's like getting a, it's like getting a subpoena, okay? They, they, they issue a subpoena to him. He comes back. And they say this, give glory to God. In other words, their God was so contained in that box. It was, it was Yahweh that healed him. It was the God of the universe that healed him. He's saying, give glory to God and just, you know, just say it didn't happen. We know this man's a sinner. They're talking about Jesus, which now in retrospect is funny. But at the time, they were dead serious. The God they worshiped would not allow this. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. 
Again, you don't know what kind of answer is that. And here's, this is the key to sharing your testimony. This is the key to understand. If you're around people who share their testimony and you're like, that's all you got, this is the key of why it's all they got. The first thing they say is, I don't know. That's a tough one. Man, you got me on that. I don't know. It's unexplainable. And then the second part is, I know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. See, I think as Christians and, 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 and just, just as people, like we want to share something that gives enough oomph to what we're actually sharing. Like I, for men, it's like your wife says, do you love me? And you're like, brr, brr. yes, well, why? And in your mind, and for females, just please listen in my heart here, especially those in the front row. Uh, <laughs> it's not that the man doesn't have things. It's just that in his mind, he's going, well, that's not good enough. She's not gonna, you know, she's gonna think that I'm trivial. I'm gonna blow it. I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna say, you know, and even if I said I would swim the seven seas just as, you know, you know, it's like, she's not gonna believe that, right? And she's just like, just tell me why you love me. Because there's lots of reasons, every reason. Every reason that you liked in any movie you saw from a guy who writes for a living, that's the reason, man. <laughs> like, it's just like, ah. Uh, and sometimes I feel like that's where we are in our, in, our, in our walk with God. It's like we have this relationship with God. We, we feel him. We understand him. We were blind. Now we see we had sin. We were trapped and we're like released. And then someone says, well, what, what's going on? You're like, all those things that would make you want to believe that's those are them. But here's the key. You cannot unlock somebody else's box. I don't care how good your arguments are. I don't care if you memorize the whole thing. I don't care if you can make lightning shoot out of your ears. If their box is locked, you ain't opening it up. And if you have a locked box, stop asking people for all the reasons because it isn't going to work. See, Paul says it this way. Paul was a thinker, okay? Very smart. And so for Paul, he had all the theological stuff. And you know the conclusion Paul came to? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I mean, the gospel doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, if you think you're going to convince somebody and you say, well, we're all sinners. Uh, we needed a savior. And so Jesus came and he died on the cross. And that paid for our sins. And so now we get to have a relationship with God. It's like, it's like that, whose box is that going to unlock? Paul went on, he says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Like the fact that all of us sit here as followers of God going, ah, I don't really know. But I know I was blind and I, now I see, as Dan mentioned, I know my marriage was terrible and now it's great. Like I know what God has done in my life and I think that's what we need to continue to celebrate. When I was in high school, I went to a Christian high school and, um, uh, they, they'd have these um, chapels. As a matter of fact, Lisa was chaplain with my best friend, Paul. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. 
and so they'd schedule these chapels. And so what you'd have, like a really good chapel, was somebody who had a really good testimony. And by good testimony, we mean juicy. <laughs> like, like there's, there's got to be like a gang involved. And there has to be some prison time, but you don't really know why they went. To, you know, really, it was like unpaid parking tickets, but they don't say that. And they, they, why? Whoa, he went to prison. And really, it was just like juvenile hall. But you, you just, you just, oh, oh man. I, you know, wow, on the streets of downtown L.A. and through the barrio and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then, and then, and then time in prison. And then they come out and then how oh, they're changed. And you're like, nah, that's what I'm talking about. They're like, what's your testimony? You're like, it's, it's kind of like that. Like I was in the principal, well, I'm, I mean, I was constantly in the principal's office and, and you're trying to like make it, but why? Because you know God's done so much stuff and it's like, I wish, I wish I had something that reflected the change that's happened in my life. How do, I, how do I say I used to be bound up in fear, but now I'm released? That's no gang. That wasn't like, we had one guy come and he was talking about how he was super rich and his family was rich and he got everything he wanted and then, um, and then he went to college and he like did all this stuff and partied and, and, and he said this, he's like, don't get me wrong, it was a lot of fun, uh, but you know, I'm so glad that's over. And I'm sitting in my chair going, why? <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds great. As you mature, you get to realize that sounds horrible. That sounds terrible. Maybe the best testimonies are the ones that don't really have that. Maybe the best testimony is, you know what? I was in the word this morning and I was reading about in Psalms how God is faithful from everlasting to everlasting. I realize no matter what I'm going through right now, God is faithful and my box gets a little bigger. See, all testimony is, is sharing about how God's coming out of your box. That's all. You're just like, I I used to believe this. I, I used to think I really struggled with this, but I just gave God a little more room and a little more room. And now I can, like, he's kind of like peering over like the Kilroy guy. He's like peering over the side. Like I can see him more like I ever could before. And anybody can go around and say, yeah, but how do you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I, look, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. There were no gangs. There was no prison time. There's none of that. I'm just telling you my marriage is getting better. I'm just telling you I'm not as anxious anymore. I'm just telling you I, I used to be so caught up in what my parents said about me and that was my identity and now my identity is found in Jesus and I'm free from that and you go well Jesus Jesus was 2,000 years I know I don't know I don't know what I I can't explain it I can't tell you and if I if I went through and I started asking you guys all your testimony most of you would say the same thing I don't care but weren't you wounded by the yeah, yeah but God's taken that away See, this is, why we pres- this is why God has prescribed church. Because I know about five people that I hang out with on a regular basis, and guess what? I know all their testimonies. I know their stories. I know why they did this and why they did that. And, and it's hard for me to, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I do. You've shared that about 10 times. But I don't know all your sh- testimonies. 
And as we begin to interact, and I, say, I begin to exchange emails, and we begin to talk, and I start hearing, oh my goodness, God is working his way out of all of our boxes. And it's exciting. And we need each other to be sharing those things. We need Dan and Christopher going, here's what happened. And this is what, this is what it was for me. And now this is what's happening. And our box is getting bigger. Someday we won't have a box. And we're just going to be completely blown away. Let me just finish up with this. He starts getting kind of confident. And he says... I was blind and now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And he's like, you know what? I've had enough of this. And he says this, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> right? Now it's like, hey, let's, let's turn this around and let's talk about your God. Let's talk about your box. Yeah, I, don't, I already told you. I don't know. I was blind and now I see. Now let's see what you have to say. And of course, this, this angered them. And they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. Now, I don't know why they said it that way. It's like, who talks like that? But you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. See, this is, they, they, they look inside and they're just like, ah, we're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man says, well, that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from yet. He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man and does his will. Nobody's ever heard of uh, the opening of a man's eyes born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. And guess what? Big flipping deal. Because he was blind, and now he sees. And who really cares what the Pharisees... They look, they dressed up like nonsense anyway, with their robes and the things and all that kind of stuff. But in the process of it, in the midst of it, don't we give value to things that have no value? Don't we say like, well, what is my boyfriend going to think or my girlfriend? And 10 years back, you're just saying to yourself, why did I ever listen to that moron? Because in the midst of it, we looked over at God who is securely in his box and we say, there is no way that tiny God's going to be able to handle this problem. And God's going, let me out and I will show you. Watch, this is so great. So what happens? They threw him out of the synagogue. Life's over. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to his faith? How is he going to you know, deal with the questions about his blindness? He still doesn't have any answers. What's going to happen, right? All these questions he doesn't know. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when, they, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, listen to this guy's faith. His box has been destroyed. He was blind. Now he sees. Who is he, sir? Tell me so I may believe in him. No manifesto. Well, give me 10 reasons why. The, just, dude, I was blind. I see. What's my next step? I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm in. I'm all in. I'm ready to go. What is it? To tell me who it is, and I'll just start believing. It's this guy over here. Hey, I believe in this guy. It's like that's where he's at. And we look at that faith, and we call it um, blind faith, ironically. 
We say, oh, he needs a crutch. Oh, well, he doesn't have all the answers. Oh, things must have really gotten desperate. No, the guy has, has experienced God in his life, and he's like, what's the next step? It's the next obvious step. He said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. How had he seen him? Because God allowed him to see. God opened his box. And this is the whole thing about our testimony. And this is the whole thing about if you're waiting to, get, to understand, oh, well, when you answer all my questions, then I'll, I'll, I'll believe. All your questions aren't going to be answered. All my questions aren't answered. And I'm a pastor. And there's still things that I'm just like, ah, but here's the thing that comes back to me time and time and time and time again. I am not going to discount what's undeniable just because it's unexplainable. I mean, I look at creation, undeniable. I mean, look, I watch the Discovery Channel too, and I know all the theories. And I, I got you on all that, but honestly, really, I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're going to believe it's just like no one was in charge, and just we, this is what we got because it was just all by chance. I mean, come, turn about flipping it back around. Really, that's what you believe? It's like, well, you believe in God. Okay, at least it explains my eyeballs. They can't even explain that. I mean, come on. Let's reason together. It's undeniable. Creation is undeniable. As a matter of fact, the, the Romans, it says, look, all you got to do is open your eyes and look around and it's like, duh. That's undeniable. It's undeniable that 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who was poor and a carpenter and we're still talking about him today. And that if you go to countries all around the world in all different languages and you ask them about their testimony they say the same thing no matter what their culture is i don't know i'm just telling you once i started following jesus my life changed it's undeniable it's just not explainable 